An illegal alien turned soccer coach turned pedophile and rapist should have never been allowed in Middle Tennessee to begin with. And Senator Marsha Blackburn wants answers. She joins me tonight. Then Boston Red Sox pitcher Matt Dermuddy has been raked over the coals in a release for a past tweet denouncing homosexuality in the name of his Christian faith. He joins me tonight to set the record straight. But first, it's time for my Losers of the Week. Starts now. Oh, another week under Joe Brandon is almost in the books, but not before I crown my Losers of the Week. First up tonight is failed male collegiate swimmer turned female pool wonder Leah Thomas, who was photographed wearing an Antifa Super Soldier t-shirt, which should not be surprising to literally anyone. The woke mind virus that tells a person to switch genders, expose genitalia in a woman's locker room, and then compete against and defeat women is right in line with the worldview of Antifa. Leah Thomas is laughing in our faces and doing so under the protected class of trans. But Leah Thomas is a loser and can only win at anything by cheating his way into the position. But now that collegiate swimming is out of the picture for Thomas, perhaps brand ambassador for Bud Light will be on the table. I'm sure my next loser of the week would be all for it. Here is former basketball great turned sports commentator turned woke warrior Charles Barkley with a profanity-laced tirade against those of us who, for good reason, won't touch another Bud Light. I want y'all to drink this beer. I got three cases of Bud Light. Hey, and I want to say this. If you're gay, bless you. If you're transgender, bless you. And if you have a problem with that, you. Lovely. He went on to call us rednecks and a-holes. Those of us who are angry with Bud Light are not anti-trans or bigoted, as Barkley suggests in that eloquent monologue. We simply don't take kindly to a beer brand partnering with a wannabe actor who dresses up as a woman and mocks everything it is to be an actual woman. We don't tolerate that, and clearly, we make up a big portion of the beer consumers of America because the brand is still tanking. Charles can call us the names he wants. We will hold the line, not tow it. Heck, I'm from South Dakota, so if the term redneck was supposed to insult me, you fail, Barkley. Yeehaw. But on to my last and final loser this week, a TikToker, of course, who wants the world to make accommodations for her and her what she calls time blindness. So I just got yelled at for asking a very reasonable question. So I'm applying to go somewhere, and I just wanted to know, are there accommodations for people who struggle with time blindness and being on time? You know, and then the person I was with interrupted and acted like I was asking something else. And then when we were done, they actually started yelling at me and saying that accommodations for time blindness doesn't exist. And if you struggle with being on time, you'll never be able to get a job. And then they're like, your stupid generation wants to destroy the workplace. And yeah, I think that a culture where workers are just cut off because they struggle with being on time when there's other solutions that we can look to. I think that just anybody who thinks it's okay to just treat people like that. Yeah, that culture needs to be dismantled. Of all the stupid and dumbass things TikTok and Gen Z as a whole has to offer, this might be the best one yet. Time blindness, a condition closely associated with the disorder known as liberalism, wherein lazy people expect to be accommodated because they cannot be in time or professional or normal. We've allowed this kind of crap to flourish because victimhood and creating victimhood is the new American pastime. And now communist TikTok allows these people who really should live in a hole of embarrassment to be given the time of day, no pun intended. 
the greatest generation stormed the beaches of Normandy so this generation of weirdos could get on an app and make up excuses and conditions to justify ineptitude. How far we have fallen indeed. Those are my losers of the week, but I do have an honorable mention. Ladies and gentlemen, Whoopi Goldberg of The View. You know, he talks about life in a small town and it's different, you know, and he shows these images. He's got uh, folks uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement. And he's talking about people taking care of each other. And I find it so interesting that it never occurred to Jason or the writers that that's what these folks were doing. They were taking care of the people in their town because they didn't like what they saw. Just like you talk about people taking care of each other in small towns. We do the same thing in big towns. Whoopi, not in the music video nor the song did Jason Aldean mention a race or BLM or anything of the sort. So if that is what you gleaned from that song and that music video, it sounds like a you problem. Still ahead, a Tennessee soccer coach preyed on young boys and to make an already despicable situation worse, he hasn't had no legal right to be here in the first place. But I've got Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. She is sounding off next. Meet Camilo Campos, a criminal illegal immigrant who has been living in the USA for over two decades. Campos was arrested last month right here in the Nashville area after restaurant workers discovered photos and videos on his phone of him raping and abusing unconscious children. Detectives have since found hundreds of videos and photos of Campos' unconscionable abuse of at least 10 boys between the ages of 9 and 17 years old. My next guest is not only disgusted, she wants to get to the bottom of how this man was allowed to bypass immigration law and be in this country, in this state, in the first place. Senator Marsha Blackburn, along with members of the Tennessee delegation, sent a letter to DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas seeking answers. Here with more, the fearless warrior herself, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, always great to have you. It is good to be with you. And Tommy, this is one of the most upsetting, disgusting, uh, vile stories that we have heard. Um, it is just so distressing to people to think that this man who had several encounters with law enforcement through the more than 20 years that he has been here, that somehow ICE never picked him up. They never deported him. Somehow he passed a background check and became a soccer referee and a soccer coach. And as a mother and grandmother, I am just heart sick and I find all of this so repulsive and upsetting. And these children, um, God bless them, uh, their families, and I hope that they get the answers that they need. What Tennesseans continue to ask me is, how could this have happened? So that's why our Tennessee delegation joined me on a letter to uh, Secretary Mayorkas to say, Where's the file on this guy? Uh, were his uh, encounters with law enforcement reported? Why did ICE not pick him up and deport him and bar him from reentry? He is a criminal, illegal alien. Senator, we expect something like this to have fallen through the cracks in a sanctuary city or state somewhere in mm -hmm. California or New York, for example. But it's really distressing to think that this could happen right here in Middle Tennessee. And I think a lot of Tennesseans are wondering, how could this happen in our state? 
Have you gotten any answers or any feedback as to how this criminal slipped through the cracks? We have not. And that's the purpose of writing uh, to ICE, to see if they had a file, to see if things were reported. Uh, we are very grateful, I will say, that some of the wait staff at a restaurant in trying to find the owner of the phone saw this and turned it over immediately to Franklin police, who immediately took an action. And we all should be grateful for that. But, you know, Tommy, until we secure that southern border, this is why every town's a border town. Every state is a border state. And Tennesseans have contacted us in droves saying, what are you finding out from ICE? How could this have happened? Why did they not deport this guy the first time he had a run-in with the law? The first time he was arrested for public intoxication, why was he not apprehended and deported at that point? Yeah, I hope that you get answers on this, but I think a lot of Americans are so frustrated because you and, and several other America First senators and representatives, you send these letters often to Secretary Mayorkas, and he's had to take the stand several times and testify on our wide open southern border. And there is a big frustration, I think, amongst all Americans because there never seems to be any consequences, any true answers, or any action taken what do you plan to do moving forward, not only on this particular case, which is disgusting in its own right, but as you mentioned, our wide open southern border? Why hasn't Mallorca's been impeached yet? Is there any action to be taken to make sure that he at least is held somewhat accountable for what he's done to our country and his lapse of duty? And uh, we know that Mark Green, Congressman Green, who is a Tennessee congressman and he's chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, they are looking at some accountability and impeachment procedures, possibilities around Secretary Mayorkas. When it comes to us in the Senate, what we can do is he comes before us, get him under oath and ask these questions and ask for a response, get some answers from him as to what has happened and why this has happened. But Tommy, people are just, you know, the other night I did a telephone town hall and a majority of the questions had to do with issues around immigration, the open border, uh, the fact that it leads to the drugs in our communities, crime on our streets, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking. And people are wanting to see something done. And as we're going through the Defense Authorization Act, I have an amendment that I'm putting into uh, the Defense Authorization Act, calling a vote on this on the floor that would reinstate DNA testing at the southern border because we know 30% of the children that have presented at the southern border when we did DNA testing we found 30% were being trafficked. This is not something that should be a partisan issue. Like protecting our kids ought not to be a partisan issue. This is something everyone should say. Of course, we want to stop children from be being trafficked. Of course, we want to shut down the cartels with their human trafficking business, which is now 
tens of billions of dollars they're making off of this every single year. It is modern day slavery. These children need to be protected and it is our responsibility to pass laws and implement those laws and to deport criminal illegal aliens that are violating the law. It is our responsibility to pass legislation that would protect kids online, that would keep them from meeting drug dealers and pedophiles. These are things that Congress ought not to hesitate on. It is frustrating to me. It's frustrating to a lot of children's advocacy groups that these pieces of legislation have not moved forward. Well, Senator, we always thank you for shining a light on all of this. And we know just last week in California, Democrats were trying to get by with not making child and sex trafficking a serious felony. And they were shamed and pressured into reversing course on that. So maybe that's the route we need to take on a national level. But we thank you for always fighting for Tennesseans, especially Middle Tennessee, where this atrocity occurred with the soccer coach. Thanks for being with us and always fighting the good fight for the volunteers. You got it. God bless you, Senator. Still ahead, he was called up from the minor leagues to pitch for the Red Sox, but all hell broke loose when someone uncovered a two-year-old tweet they deemed homophobic. But I've got pitcher Matt Dermody, who joins me next to address the cancel culture vultures, the fallout, and set the record straight. For some odd reason, the Rainbow Mafia seems to have a real stranglehold over professional sports and, sadly, America's great pastime, baseball. Whether it's Pride Nights featuring blasphemous drag nuns or dropping players like Anthony Bass for pro-Christian sentiments, this crap now runs deep in the MLB. You can support any political cause, religion, or worldview, but don't be caught advocating for traditional values or beliefs. That's exactly what happened to my next guest, former Red Sox pitcher Matt Dermody. In December of 2020, Matt found God and became a Christian. He wanted to profess his dedication to the good word and book, and in 2021, he tweeted this. It wasn't an issue till Matt got called up from the minors to pitch for the Red Sox, and this tweet got pulled out by the woke mob, of course. The Red Sox then went on an apology tour denouncing the tweet and denouncing Matt. He was released shortly thereafter. We all know this BS song and dance, and I, for one, am quite sick of it. Joining me now to say his piece and set the record straight is former Red Sox pitcher Matt Dermody. Matt, it's great to have you. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks for having me. So we've got a lot to unpack here, but I want to go back to kind of how this all unfolded here. So it's my understanding that the Red Sox, they knew about this tweet before all the backlash occurred. Walk me through how that conversation happened and then how this all became such a big issue. Uh, that is correct. Um, in spring training, um, I was called into the uh, with the GM's office. Um, he said that he was made aware of a tweet that I made two years ago um, about homosexuality. And uh, we talked about it. He he wanted to dive in and learn who I was and 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 in my, in my heart and uh, why I tweeted that, because it's kind of obvious uh, in today's society, you're kind of going to receive a lot of backlash from that. So I, I pretty much, you know, told told him why, you know, and uh, it's because I believe in the Bible, you know, and I don't want anybody to go to hell. I saw, I saw the list of of all the things, you know, that lead people to hell, and I was on that list, you know, and and uh, that instilled the fear of the Lord in me. And so now it's it's not really about me anymore, but it's about helping others and and preaching the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, that he saves us from, from the fires of hell. What's interesting to me is that it really is not Major League Baseball's 
problem or interest, what your personally held beliefs are, what you believe in, what your faith is, what your ideals, your convictions. It's really none of their business, right? And if you had a different worldview that celebrated homosexuality or pride flags, I have a feeling they wouldn't really take issue with it. So I think that's where the frustration lies here. But then we know you get called up, you pitch, then the Red Sox go on an apology tour saying that they deeply regret calling you up. They deeply regret having you. You know, what was that like knowing that you already had had this conversation and to see them react the way they did after it resurfaced and the woke mob took over? Well, I think, I think, uh, during spring training with my meeting with the with the GM Heim Bloom, you know, I I told like it was obvious that I'm I'm not a homophobe, you know, in the tweet, a lot of people call it homophobic, but it is far from homo homophobic as possible. I mean, I don't hate anybody in this in this world, you know, race, color, uh any in in in, in any other religion. I don't I don't hate anybody, but it's all about leading people to heaven. I want people to get to heaven, you know, and that's that's what we're gonna spend for eternity. And uh yeah, I mean that's that's just the main goal. And, and you should be able to, to hold those beliefs. And then, you know, all hell really broke loose because what they do, as they do with everybody, is they go through your Twitter history because that's all they have to do. Quite frankly, I think people are unemployed and they just go through Twitter as their pastime because they have nothing better to do. And then really it all became a big spectacle. It's the same song and dance with Anthony Bass, who happens to be a good friend of mine. So I'm sure that you weren't surprised that this happened but tell me after the backlash tell me what those conversations were like did they tell you they were going to release you for the tweet did they beat around the bush about it how did that conversation happen no they they, they didn't tell me they released me because of the tweet but i mean it was a week later and to be honest uh they got a lot of backlash you know i mean it wasn't just me it was the red Sox. you know their their front office got a lot of backlash for for calling me up and uh i think they didn't want to uh stay in the fire you know they're trying to to you know calm down what was going on so i mean from i, I don't you you can't really prove you know one way or another but i mean right everything happened for a reason you know and that's why that's frustrating as well because you know the same thing happened to, to anthony bass obviously um they didn't come right out and tell him it's because of your tweets but i think everybody knew and for his case it was actually a real posted on instagram that wasn't even his own words it was just a repost and we saw what happened to him and you know he's still right now in limbo land wondering if he's going to be picked up or what's going to happen to his career simply because he expressed his faith similar to the what you did i want to get your take on that actually because i'm sure you saw the video of Anthony Bass having to do what looked like a hostage video, ex uh, apologizing to everybody, explaining his post. When you saw that, were you disappointed that he apologized for something he should have never apologized for? Well, I, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but uh, I mean, we apologize because we don't want to hurt people, you know, and when we hurt people, whether they believe what we believe and they, and they don't see the the perspective and like what we're coming from, you know, the, the, pers the, the perspective and why we're doing the things and saying the things that we do, it's not, we're not apologizing for our faith, but we're apologizing because it, it might truly have, have, have hurt somebody and we, and we don't want to hurt anybody, but the, 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 we believe that the Bible is, is true in the word of God, you know, and, and I, I encourage everybody, if you don't believe it's the truth, find out, seek the truth, you know, and I just, I hope people find the truth.
So I want to talk about your faith a little bit because you have not been a lifelong Christian from my understanding. Your Christian faith is relatively new. Tell my audience how that came to be and why you have such deep convictions that you have today. Yeah, I mean, I was 30 year old. I was 30 years old and I I wouldn't have been able to tell you a a, a single Bible verse. Um I went down to the Dominican and uh the, the whole pandemic kind of shook my whole world up cuz I wasn't I lost my job in baseball. I didn't I I was I was kind of searching for the meaning of life after that. I mean, I I actually had a, a like a little mini uh identity crisis because I've always thought of myself as a baseball player and then it was it was taken away from me in the, in the blink of an eye and I was like, "Now what?" you know? And so I kind of I kind of feel for people in that in that realm who are we got a big identity crisis going on in America, you know, people thinking, you know, males thinking they're girls and girls thinking they're boys, you know, but um I encourage you, you know, to seek the truth, you know, and and that's what I did and in God's word it, it had the the reason I even had a bible was was a miracle in the first place. Um I I didn't even buy it because because I was seeking God, I bought it to to please my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. So, but that was two years prior. So uh, I brought it down to the Dominican. I read it, and I was super convicted with the life that I was living. And I knew at that moment, if I if I died that night, I was not going to be in heaven with 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 God. You know, so I the first thing I wanted to do was repent. You know, repent of all the unrighteous behavior that I was living in. You know, and the last thing I want to do is be, is be a hypocrite. You know, so uh, that was that was it right there. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I love the story. I think it's such an inspirational message. I think we need more people like you and Anthony Bass in sports. And I know that there are many in sports, but they're afraid to speak out. They're afraid to be as honest and transparent as you are. What would you tell those people who see what happened to you, see what happened to Anthony Bass and a list of others when they spoke out, and they're afraid to say anything because they don't want to lose their job, they don't want to be canceled? What do you tell those people? I would say listen to Jesus and what he had to say. Jesus said, do not fear the man who has the power to kill your body, but fear him who has the power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. Because eternity is way more important than these short lives that we have here on earth. You know, and... That's that that's really all that matters, you know, is eternity and where we're going to spend. So fear, fear God. That's the first step, I would say, you know, and don't fear man, fear God. So what's next for you, Matt? Are you do you think that there is a future for you in American MLB baseball or what are you going to do next to continue your career or continue your your faith messaging? What do you have in store? Yeah, I'm still I'm still pursuing baseball. Um, I'm tr I'm still training and working out right now. Um, I'm signed to go down to the Dominican Winter League, you know, to showcase my stuff and and show teams that I'm still willing and able to play. But uh, you know, I I don't know the future and uh, whatever whatever happens happens. I'm I'm just rolling with it. So if they see you and you're doing well and they call you in and they say, hey, listen, we would love you know to have you back in in the major leagues, but we're still concerned about this tweet. And we're wondering if you would apologize for it or we're wondering if you would explain it. What do you tell those GMs or those front offices in the future if they were to have that conversation with you? Well, I, would, I mean, I would I would kind of just tell them like my response where I um, that I gave on, on the day that I pitched in uh, in Cleveland. You know, I'm sorry for hurting people's feelings, you know, but but I believe in God. I believe in the word of God, you know, and I want people to get to heaven. So I'm not going to I'm not going to affirm any kind of sinful or immoral behavior, you know, that's going to lead people astray. 
you know, the G, G, Jesus said the way to heaven is a narrow road. It's not, it's the broad road, you know, the easy road that leads to destruction. Well, I'm so happy to hear that you have that intestinal fortitude. Not a lot of you exist in popular culture, certainly in sports, but we need more of it. So God bless you. Thank you for being so convicted. Thanks for sharing your time and best of luck to you. We hope to see you back in the big leagues and best of luck in the Dominican as well. Thank you, Tommy. God bless you. God bless. Still ahead, real country music fans are sending a message to CMT and all the wokesters who have attempted to hijack the genre. My final thoughts are next. After a load of BS, woke, and moronic backlash, Jason Aldean's song, Try That in a Small Town, skyrocketed up the charts. Real America is speaking again, so listen up. It's time for Final Thoughts. I'm going to make these final thoughts real short and sweet tonight. We are winning. After a symphony of mostly washed-up losers and the leftist tone-deaf morons over at CMT decided to throw a tantrum over Jason Aldean's song and accompanying music video for Try That in a Small Town, we the people, you know the ones who actually listen to country music, made a point that the woke losers and executives that preside over the industry would do well to listen to. The controversial song is climbing the charts and sits at number one on iTunes. Why? Because the silent majority is a real thing and we have real power. And it's about damn time we realize and own it. The wokesters are being set back on their heels, first with Bud Light and then a cascading waterfall of conservative wins in the Supreme Court, then the major success of the anti-child trafficking film, The Sound of Freedom, and now this Jason Aldean chart-topping song. It might seem like a minuscule thing and in the scheme of things it might be, but it's symbolic of something much bigger. It's proof that we are in fact not the minority and not in fact outnumbered. We have many battles left to fight and the 2024 election is one of those battles. It's probably even more like a war at this point. But we have the ammunition, the gusto, and the intestinal fortitude to win and keep winning if we so choose to. There are a lot of things going wrong in this country, but it's not a lost cause and we are gaining ground. So enjoy your weekend, turn off the news, get outside, be with your family, touch grass, and count your blessings. It's not all going to hell. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.